This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 18th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. For people who want to assert control over their own health care in the U.S., options are limited. If you want to try therapies that have yet to be approved, you'd better be wealthy enough to travel overseas. At the State Policy Network annual meeting in Utah, Naomi Lopez-Bauman of the Goldwater Institute discussed with me possible future options for people who want to experiment with their own health. Years ago, Charles Murray wrote uh, what it means to be a libertarian, a personal interpretation. And one of the ideas that he presents in that book is the idea that you should be able to essentially consume whatever product or supplement or drug that you want. And the only thing that the provider of that product needs to put on it is FDA had to prove this. And you're, you know, you're welcome to try it, but uh, the FDA has not approved this. Even if it's in the process of of going through some sort of trial, that this provides a bit of a a pressure valve uh, for people who would like to uh, take more control of their own decisions and, you know, either suffer the consequences or reap the benefits. So, with respect to drugs in the United States right now. If somebody is seeking approval, nobody gets it. Real, I mean, so whenever you take a look at where we are in terms of information, where we are in terms of regulation, there really is an inability for regulators to keep pace with innovations that are happening, information being shared. And in fact, these efforts often fail. When you take a look at, for example, CRISPR, which is gene editing, there are a lot of do-it-yourselfers out there. There are other people doing your, their own immunology it really is – we're really living in a different era, era where the federal, the Food and Drug Administration was established many years ago and the current system is decades old. And that just has not been able to keep pace with the advancements in, in innovation and in medicine and in information being shared. It's a little bit like the 3D printed gun in the sense that the information is out there and people will use it. There is not an ability to actually contain information. And the same holds true in the area of drugs. Now, there might be a, there might be a role for the FDA to say this is approved. Um, but, but really, when it comes down to it, individuals will seek treatments on their own, whether it's do-it-yourself, whether they travel to other countries. Uh, but but there really is no way to keep people from those things that they really want. And, and with, in, with specific respect to drugs, there are a lot of drugs that have been approved in uh, European countries, in uh, Canada, in maybe Asian countries that simply are not available to Americans just because the processes are different, the expenses of of going through those processes are different. So for people who are very interested in using a drug that has shown some great promise in some other country, what uh, recourse do they have to attempt to, again, assert that control, uh, suffer the consequences, or reap the benefits? So the in advanced countries like Japan, Switzerland, Israel, Germany, the processes are actually very similar for drug approval, but the big difference is that regulators in the United States tend to demand more data, more data, more data. And so, you know, while most drugs are approved first in the United States, you do have a lot of very promising treatments that don't get approved here for quite a bit longer. So there are a couple of options for a patient. First would be 
that they could do what's called personal importation, where they have to go to the federal government, ask for permission to bring a treatment into the United States, but you have issues of handling, temperature control, those qualitative issues that really aren't, you know, there's really not a good way to do it if the manufacturer isn't actually bringing it here, making it here in a lot of cases. They haven't made an investment in trying to get it to this market. Right. And so that creates some difficulty. Of course, people can travel overseas to get treatment. But really what we need to be looking at are ways of getting treatments to patients more quickly. Whenever you take a look at Japan, Japan has done something very exciting. In the area of regenerative medicine, there are some treatments that are going through phase one, which is the basic safety testing. And of course, it doesn't mean that the treatment is safe for everyone. It just means that it's met a minimum standard of safety. And it has what's called provisional approval for seven years. And that means that patients can get these treatments, assuming, you know, that, that there are no that there aren't a large number of adverse events along the way, but they can actually get these treatments. In Japan, they have started regenerative treatments for patients with Alzheimer's. That is not going to happen in the United States for many, many years, unfortunately. This is now available in Japan. Alzheimer's is an incredibly devastating disease. And the comparison that you would want to make from uh, sort of the cost-benefit calculation is that Alzheimer's is degenerative. It will continue to proceed. And so the, the likely consequences of allowing that disease to proceed uh, should be weighed against the potential benefits of a drug that, frankly, we don't know is as uh, safe and effective as we might hope. Right, and so if a, if an if an individual wants to pay for that treatment, we're not we're not talking about how you know making for, compelling someone else to pay for it. But if if someone is is able to pay for it and wants to do so, and if their physician believes that that is a promising treatment for them, they should be able to proceed with that. And so so one of the one of the big weaknesses in the FDA process is that. This risk assessment, this disease burden, really doesn't come into play very often. You can have a very, very debilitating disease, one which induces an enormous amount of suffering, one where you know that it's not, there is no cure, it's not reversible at this point, and yet those treatments still have to meet the same requirements as basic treatments for which, you know, the, it really wouldn't save you know, treatments that wouldn't save anyone's life. Let's say put it that way. And so uh, the availability of these kinds of treatments are limited to people who are willing to go through, jump through a bunch of hoops at FDA, or people who are wealthy enough to travel to these foreign countries and receive these treatments. Well, and the reality is, is that people can participate in clinical trials, but what you see is that. People who are more fluent, who can afford to travel to those sites, usually taking somebody with them, both of those people missing work. I mean, you know, you really are limiting these treatments, the clinical trials, to people who have the means to afford all of these other expenses. You know, and so, you know, while the clinical trial might be free, it is not actually free if you need a second person to help travel with you, if people are taking off of taking work time off, if people have to um, arrange childcare. Right? So, so it really is um, it really is not a system that provides access to everyone. And so that's why I think it's really important to understand 
what these obstacles mean for patients, and especially those patients at the worst times of their lives who are out of options. So, uh, I mean, in my idealized world, there would be no rules governing uh people's ability to take whatever treatment they would like to take to try to improve their lives, whether they're uh, at death's door or not. Um, but the, you know, short of that, it would be nice if you could just fill out a form and uh, get the FDA to rubber stamp it for you. And then you're free to import whatever you want for the purposes of treating some problem that you have or trying to improve yourself in some way. What's what's the next step for you as far as you're concerned? So I think that there's a there's a very promising bill in the Senate that, that's been introduced that would basically allow a manufacturer to go to the FDA and say, look, this is approved in this other advanced nation that has a very stringent approval process similar to the FDA, and we would like it approved here. The FDA would be required to give them an answer within 30 days. If the FDA said no, it, they could take it to Congress to override that veto if they wanted. Um, but, but it really is a, a very simple, very quick type of approach that would allow companies to get rapid, more rapid approval. The FDA actually has the authority to approve treatments that have been approved in other countries. They just don't. They just don't. They don't use it. They have the authority already, but they're not compelled to use it, and so they're not using it. And it would I mean, uh, with Scott Gottlieb, you imagine that it's possible that he might say, "Well, look, I'll, uh, we'll just make this a blanket policy." Uh, and we we don't do it one at a time. We just say, look, you meet these requirements, you're fine. You can you can bring in whatever you want for your own purposes. Well, you know, we are seeing we are seeing um, some loosening in some areas, but I think that might be a bridge too far for him at this point. Okay, so uh, you know, short of that, what can people in individual states do to, uh, or what can in individual state legislatures do? to make this to put to lean on the FDA a little bit to say this is something the people of our state value. Well, I think that we've made enormous progress in that in this particular area with the passage of right to try in 41 states and now at the federal level right to try is now federal law. It was signed um, this summer. There has been a lot more attention and awareness from patients, particularly those patients and their loved ones who organize around specific diseases. They understand that there are treatments elsewhere that are not available to their loved ones here in the United States. And they also understand to a very sophisticated degree in many cases, just how advanced these innovations are in other places and, and, and how long it's going to take for those be to become available here in the US. So you see patient advocates outside the beltway, because there's a big difference between the inside the beltway and outside the beltway patient advocates, um, the outside the beltway patient advocates, they're demanding from the FDA transparency. They're demanding change. They under they have access to the information of what's available elsewhere, and they want it here for their loved ones today when it can actually help them. Naomi Lopez-Bauman is Director of Healthcare Policy at the Goldwater Institute. We spoke at the State Policy Network annual meeting last week in Utah. You can subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.